0: So today, what I would like to to do is to take some time so that we can hear God's Word for ourselves. What's God's Word to you today? Of all the things that, that the Spirit of God could say, the Word of life in us, what is it that God wants to say to each one of us today? For we're always in need of a Word from God. Sometimes it comes to us fresh, like we haven't heard it before. It's new direction, new, um, new inspiration, maybe for a new season in our lives. Oftentimes it's a reminder of something that we've known but needs refreshed. God's Word comes to us in so many different ways. But the way I want to focus on today is when we find His Word to us in the words of Scripture. This week I was asked by, the, um, by Ken Donald, who's the minister at Preston Grange in Preston Pans, if I'd speak at a conference they were having yesterday. And it was a joy to be with folks who were gathering on a Saturday morning to have a conference to, to seek God's purposes for them, to grow, to lay hold of what future vision might look for them as they minister to people in Preston Pans and the surrounding areas, and it's always a pleasure and a privilege to meet with people who are contending to bring the gospel to folks in different places, different times. And it's easy to forget that when we read the Scriptures, it's exactly the same thing. We're going to have a look just for a moment at the first chapter of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, which was the passage that uh, Ken had chosen for the conference on Saturday. And 1 Thessalonians is one of those letters, it's quite a short letter, and we all have our kind of go-to Scriptures. I don't spend much time in 1 Thessalonians, but we're going to do it today. bit of background first. Is A.D. 50. I mean, it might be 49, it might be 51. Gallio is a, a governor in the region. Uh, we know that from the book of Acts, I think Acts 18. You can read up the, the history around the, the establishing of the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica is in Greece. Some of you may have been there on tours, or you certainly are aware of it, in the north of the Aegean Sea. And the church in Thessalonica being planted, just like, um, just as was Paul's way of first to the Jews, finding the Jewish people who met in the synagogue, proclaiming the good news that the promised one, the suffering servant, the Messiah had come in the shape of Jesus of Nazareth, who of course to them was Yeshua, Joshua, He who saves. He was the one that would carry them into the promised land. And that message was proclaimed in the synagogues wherever Paul went sometimes with good results, sometimes with lots of opposition. And from that renewed synagogue, um, the church is built throughout the Roman Empire. So, the church in Thessalonica is established about 50 A.D., uh, just a little before that, Paul's first missionary journey. Second missionary journey, he's writing to the church there, um, and he's writing from Corinth. Now, Paul spent 18 months-plus in Corinth uh, helping establish the church there. And that's the church to which those letters of First and Second Corinthians were written. But the book of Thessalonians is a very early um, document in terms of the New Testament. We're talking about less than 20 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the lovely thing about First Thessalonians is that you can hear in it Paul's thanksgiving for the church that are there. There's some challenges. Uh, one of the challenges is that there are teachers who are not teaching the way that Paul thinks they need to, that they're not being faithful to the gospel as he understands it. And you can imagine, this, this, is, a, this is a tussle that those of us who teach and who share have um, up to this day. The other thing was is that he wanted to go to meet them, they'd obviously said, please come and see us, but he was going to send Timothy as young assistant. And so right at the start of the letter, he establishes the credentials. He says, you know, from Paul, but also from Silas and from Timothy. And so that team, that apostolic team that he was working with, it was Timothy that was going to be sent to Thessalonica. Because for whatever reason, as we've discovered before with Paul, he couldn't go where he believed he was to, to go. And it's just worth pondering that for a bit that, Even Paul, it's tempting to think of Paul as a superhero in the faith, and my goodness me, we have so much to learn from him. How many of us have heard God's Word to us, and we'll hear it today through the words of the Apostle Paul, but he had moments in his life where he thought he knew what was to be done next, but actually he was blocked. He was blocked. He couldn't go where he wanted to, He was frustrated in his aims. So let's hear from from the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. It's really quite short. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere, therefore we do not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven who He raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath." I hope you can hear there Paul's enthusiasm for this church that he speaks at the end of chapter 2 that you are our hope and glory, our joy and crown, that there's something about the people who come through the work that is done in Jesus' name that they're precious, absolutely precious, because they hold something of the presence of Jesus in that community that is a It's a a fruit that's come from Paul's labors. And all of that, full of joy and enthusiasm and thanksgiving as it is, is done in the teeth of opposition, of difficulty, and even as the church was planted, in great suffering. Now, perhaps as I was reading through that just there, there are verses that stood out to you, and uh, we'll come back to that. But when we read the Scriptures, we're not just learning about what God has done, we're involving ourselves in what God is doing now and will do in the future. The gift of prophecy has been… it's often been neglected in the church in the United Kingdom, and often the churches that have emphasized prophecy have perhaps not used it in the way that God intended. For the prophetic word is intended to be an encouragement to us." I think many of us fear that… How many of us here fear to hear from God because we think we're going to get told off? (laughs) Okay, yes, absolutely. I'm sure there's a few hands going up at home. There's definitely some hands going up here. Here's the thing. I want you to think about the person in your life who has nurtured you the most. Think about a person, or maybe there's a group of people who have poured their love into your life. Do you fear to hear from them? Do you? You might do if you've been up to no good. I mean, there's that, you know, sometimes I realize I've said something out of turn or something like that, and I've hurt someone's feelings, and I know I need to apologize. And I'm not looking forward to that conversation. No, I know it needs to be had, but my motivation to repair that relationship comes from that understanding that actually most of the time to be in the presence of that person is to be nurtured and supported and loved and cared for. Yes? Now, Paul says, we remember before our God and Father All of these people gathered there, all of these people gathered there in Thessalonica are part of God's family. One of the richest veins of Paul's teaching is that we were like children without parents and we've been adopted back into God's family through Jesus Christ who is a son by nature and by right and through His death and resurrection gives the right for us estranged children, our prodigals, to be restored to the Father in full relationship, as much much sons and daughters by adoption as Jesus is by nature and by right. Galatians 3 and 4 talks about that, this extraordinary inheritance that we have through Jesus. And so when we think about hearing God's Word for ourselves and we're fearful, We mischaracterize the nature of God and His love for us. Think about it. Were people drawn to Jesus' presence, or did they run from Jesus? Well, it kind of depended who they were. But by and large, people were drawn to Jesus. There was something magnetic about His humanity. Professor Tom Torrance used to say, that you know that thing where you mess up and you say, well, I'm only human? And Tom Torrance liked to turn that on his head, and he would say, the only true human who has ever lived is Jesus. In Him, we see actual humanity as intended, and we're drawn to it, just drawn to it. People were drawn to it. Outcasts and sinners and prostitutes, those who had burnt through the goodwill of their local community like Zacchaeus, those who were lost, those who were hurting, tormented, broken in body, unclean, lepers, cripples, those who were barren, those who had spent all their resources on trying to get well but couldn't. Even those who were tormented by evil spirits were drawn to Jesus. Now, if we were to take Jesus and take God the Father, how much of a gap is there between their character? None. Sometimes on a… on a Saturday night, quite often on a Saturday night to kind of calm me before I'm preaching, I watch a metal a machinist at work from his workshop in Florida. And this machinist, he's, a, he's, a, he's at least a third-generation metal worker, and the thing about working metal is that it's really hard and it has to be really precise. If you're working with wood, you can be a wee bit off, and I know the cabinet makers out there will be really cross with me because they love to get things just so. But when you're working with metal, if that thread is off by a half mil or so, it's not going to work. And he was setting up a flat surface, and he's got this granite flat surface that is perfectly flat. And he wants to see if he's managed to get a right angle, a flat right angle on the bottom of this bit of metal, and he puts it on the granite block, and he dulls the lights in his workshop, and he takes out a torch, and he shines it behind the bit of metal. And he will say, look, that looks flat, and it measures kind of flat, but look, see at that end, we can see a bit of light coming through, tiny little bit of light, so we're going to machine that. And he takes it off and sets up his milling machine or sets up his scraper and gets it set just so, and then he machines the surface, brings it back, and proud as punch, he gets his torch out, and you can see no gap, none whatsoever. If you have seen me, Jesus says, you've seen the Father, for the Father and I are one were one. What gap is there between Jesus and the Holy Spirit in terms of character? One that you couldn't see light through the gap. In the past I'd often say you couldn't get a Rizla paper between them, but if you're a metal worker, Rizla paper is about the same thickness as cellotape. and cellotape is two thousandths of an inch thick in old money. And two thousandths of an inch is not enough accuracy if you're machining something properly. Is it, Brian? Two thou off, that's no good. That's no good. You want a fraction of a thou. So now you know that. There's an old trick when uh, luthiers are repairing a guitar's finish that you, you put a bit of sellotape either side and then you use a Stanley blade to scrape it down before you buff it because that will get it down to two thousandths of an inch just above. The character of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit is one and the same. One God, three persons. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so whatever we find attractive in Jesus. We would find that with the Father, because as Christians, we believe that the God of the Jews is revealed fully in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Are we clear about that? That is a theological truism. That is what defines us. That is why when people say, well, all religions lead to God, we kind of get a bit crotchety, because... Well, that's fine saying all religions lead to God, and we're certain that the Jews are barking up the right tree, but Muhammad takes things off in a different direction with the Quran. The Hindus don't accept that Jesus was the revelation of God the Father, and the Buddhists don't, and God bless them, and surely there's possibly wisdom to be found there, but it's not God the Father revealed in Jesus Christ, present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's different stuff, it's different, and that difference matters. So when God speaks His Word to us, we are receiving a word from someone who loves us. Sometimes in prophecy, Christians can get a bit Old testament um, Get a bit Old Testament prophet, condemnatory. Now, understand that the prophets of the Old Testament existed in a particular time when God's people had been ignoring His Word for centuries, and they hadn't just been deviating a little, they'd gone off in the wrong direction. They'd started worshiping other gods. They'd abandoned doing things as God intended. They were not observing the law, and they were harming the widows and orphans and aliens, the stranger in their midst. Things were absolutely opposite from what they should be. When that's the case, there will be a stern word from God and we need to hear it because that's how God loves us when we are far, far away. But most of God's word to us is encouragement and love and grace. Paul could have a tough word now and then, couldn't he? But when he was writing to the church here in Thessalonica, you can hear that overflowing joy he has for them. The primary thing he wants to do is to encourage them to keep on keeping on in Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, one with the Father, so that they can continue the work of sharing the good news. And being that renewed, new creation community in which everybody has a place. In that wonderful phrase, um, the mission statement of Carl Luke Christian Fellowship, where Jesus is Lord and everybody is somebody. So what's God's Word to us today? When we took the pews out, as you'll know, we made plaques. Um, we we chopped the, the, the pews that weren't bought in their entirety, the leftover bits. We've made plaques out of them, and they're finally here. You can buy them for yourself. Uh, get in touch with Colin Young if you're interested. I think we should find other bits of wood. Sorry, did I say, oh, Colin Aitken. Thank you very much. I do need to get more sleep. Uh, get in touch with Colin Aitken, and he will be able to get a plaque to you. Um, some of us are also buying plaques so we can put them up around the church. So the church gets the money, but everybody gets to enjoy the plaque. Either way, I've got some of them here. Here's one. Here's, here's a beauty. Is this, is this one yours, Joel? Here we go. You're going to be able to see this. I think this has come from the Amplified Bible because you can tell the Amplified Bible because it always has phrases in, in brackets. Okay, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Can you see that? Just gonna pull it back, push it forward. Oh, get the get the focus in there. You see that? No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John chapter 15, verse 13. And maybe that's a word to you today. Is that one yours, Joel? That's on Joel's desk. Here's one. Now, we bought this one, but this is a Prezi for somebody. But they don't know yet, so I'm not giving the game away. Here we go. Here we go. Can you get the camera on that one? We're going to switch across. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35. And this one's particularly precious because that was William Irvin's favorite verse. His favorite verse. And sometimes when we were praying, he would just start up and say, "A new command I give to you: to love one another as I have loved you. By this, you'll know that you're my disciples." Amen. Okay. Bless William. This plaque's special. Um, Alice has given me this plaque, but we're going to be putting it up in the, in in the church here, in memory of Liz Martin. Some of you will know her as Lorraine Martin. Um, I had the pleasure of baptizing her earlier this year as she knew that her time was short and her funeral was just before lockdown started, just before, and uh, Liz was a joy. This was her favorite verse, and we're going to put this up in the church in memory of her. Can you see that? And now these three remain, faith, hope, and Love. But the greatest of these is 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. And I know some of you will be going back. If I have not love, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, or as Eugene Peterson wrote it, a squeaking gate. Love is patient and kind, keeps no record of wrongs. I mean all these maybe that's a word to you today. As I was preparing yesterday for, the, um, for the, the time with Preston Grange, I noticed this verse. We remember, this is from 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that faith, hope, and love thing again. If you look through Paul's letters, you find it in Romans 5, it's, it's in Galatians. It's, it's worthwhile looking up. There's that, that, it's almost like an early creed. It's a way that Paul organized his thoughts about what Jesus in us gives us. What does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? It's to have faith and hope and love. We remember before our God. Now, I'm going to read this again, but what I want you to imagine is that this is God's attitude towards you. Okay, so I'm going to change the tense a bit. I am proud of you, God says to you, for your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in my Son, Jesus Christ. Is that a word for you today? We have other plaques. We went through all of our favorite scriptures. From Psalm 27, verse 13, I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. From Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to bring you hope and a future or from 2nd Chronicles 7 14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from other wicked ways I will turn my face towards them, hear their prayer heal their land so many scriptures For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This week has had its challenges. Many challenges. We sometimes have weeks like that. And I want to... um, I don't want you to get too distracted by what I'm about to tell you. I want you to hear God's Word, okay? So, um, I'm just going to look it up so that I've got it ready to hand. Isn't it wonderful to have the Bible in our mobile phones? Those are, it's just, it's the most amazing thing. We'd, it used to be that we're kind of like, oh, if only I had a Bible, I've got, got this verse for you, and we'd try and remember it, but these days... Um, We can actually have the Scriptures with us at all times. So, I'm looking up a Scripture. Um, Yeah. Let's go for that. So, here's the story. Um, Friday morning was one of those lovely mornings. Um, Every now and then, Keziah had said, Mom, Dad, you have a lion. I'll take the kids to school. Ah, That's a good day, isn't it? And frankly, I could do with it. I needed a lion. I did. I needed a lion. I didn't get my lion. I didn't get my lion. Here's what happened. So we hear a noise from downstairs, and it's the noise of Talitha saying, who left the window wide open? And and the lights won't work, mom, dad, this is seven o'clock, now I know for some of you, those of you milk cows or have an early shift, like to start early. You larks, seven o'clocks no bother. I'm an owl. Seven o'clock's hard work. So we went downstairs. We went downstairs, and we discovered that the, door, the, the window had been forced, and we'd been broken into at the manse. So we started having to look around to see, you know what was missing. Thankfully, my laptop was there. Um, checked for wallets and uh, Diane went to the key cover and she said, Mark, 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 keys are gone, car, car's gone, garage is open, bike's gone. And she thought her pedal bike had gone. They just put that around the side because that's the thing that's most often been nicked from the vans But it was my motorbike. I know. I felt sorry for me too. So, and as happens, you know, so. Between 7 in the morning and half past 12, we had the conversations with all the various insurance companies and stuff. But also, the first people we found, of course, were the police. And I have to say, the police were great. They came out really quickly. Um, uh, uh, a constable from Musselboro Police Station from the um, Proactive Crime Unit didn't quite get there for us. But that's, that's the person who came out and we sat down. And uh, she was asking me you know, to make the statement. So I'm making the statement. And I'm sharing how we'd done everything, and the, the house had been burgled. And, uh, but it didn't uh, actually appear that much had been taken except keys. So, and we've contacted the insurance company so we can get lock barrels changed, and, and uh, so we can get the door patched up on the side of the garage, and uh, all that stuff. When Diane comes down, and she, she's got that look in her face, and she passes me her phone. Just as, you know, she passes me her phone. Now, these days, I have to get some range before I can read without spectacles, okay? Those of you of a certain age will understand that um, actually we don't need near to eyesight as we get older. So, we give that to children, and uh, we have to do things that are rain. So, the Bible app had sent through the verse for the day. This is the verse for the day. This is Jesus in Matthew 6 speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And of course, I know what the next verse is, and many of you will know too. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as I was writing my little document to say what had been done and not been done, I put a wee prayer at the bottom saying, do you know what, Father, thank you very much for our car and my motorbike. And if it's to be found again, so be it. And if it's to be replaced, so be it. And if we need to do something else with the resources, so be it for you give and take away. And while you're at it, somehow would you work through for your love, in this situation, and maybe bless the folks who broke in with a plague of boils. I missed that the last bit. But then who knows what chaos those lads are going through. I had a chat with Nathan, who some of you will know as a reservist, and he said, they make great soldiers because, you know, they make great soldiers. They managed to break in and get through, and I didn't feel very warmly towards them. Well, they needed better, you know. They probably needed a dad, dad. Yeah, that's right. They probably needed a dad. But the truth is that some of you watching got up to stuff like that when you were young. And the truth is, is that actually all that stuff's replaceable. And the treasures in heaven are all the people who have responded to God's word and now bear the good news of Jesus in them, the presence of God in them. What's God's word to you today? That was God's word for me on Friday. And you know what? I realized as I was sitting opposite the the police constable, I don't know if she knows Jesus for herself. So I said, oh, here, listen to this. This is my wife's Bible app. This got sent in to her today. And I just read it out. I said, it's like someone knows. And then because, you know, as you do as a biker, I'd warn the other local bikers on our WhatsApp group, look, there's tea leaves in the area. You might want to make sure it's doubly locked down. Keep an eye. And uh, I shared that with them too, because not all of them know Jesus for themselves. God's Word to us. Of course the Word of God is living, because the Word isn't the Word itself. It's Jesus. It's how that phrase, or it's how that passage communicates the reality of God's love to us that opens us to the presence of the Spirit in our lives, which leads us to Jesus in whom the Father is glorified. And as we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, so that great engine room of Christ-likeness is working in us. And everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. From the respectable folks doing their best, down to the folks who take stuff that isn't theirs, to every single one of us, we all need Jesus. And how's that word being communicated with us today? So I'm telling you, I'm hoping that at some stage in the future, those lads who rode and drove off, with our stuff, that they'll figure out that you don't store up treasures here on earth, but you store them up in heaven. And they'd figure that out for themselves. And They maybe have a story to share. Yeah. So what's God's word to you today? I hope you've maybe heard it in the plaque or what we've read. I hope as we've shared that perhaps there's something been triggered in your… The, the, the Holy Spirit's brought to mind something. Maybe you need to know that underneath of the everlasting arms, or that the Lord's your shepherd. Maybe as I've been speaking, your mind's been elsewhere, but God's been using this time to speak to you. Through Advent, what we're going to do is we're going to open up that… so long as regulations allow, we're going to have those Thursday nights of prayer during Advent. We're going to gather for worship and prayer every Thursday for Advent. That's what we're going to do. We made that determination. And of course, prayer is an act of war. Trusting in God's Word is an act of war. There's been all sorts of chaos around this week because we are stepping onto a fresh foot. And friends, I would encourage you, when the battle is the hottest, one, you're doing something. You're doing something right. Second, is that when there's a season for war, the King of Kings always shows up. You might not see Him at the moment in whatever chaos you're in, but you will see Him. You will. And I pray that for us as a local church, as a church in this locality, as a church nationally. In Scotland and the UK, I noted that with the restrictions down south, Our brothers and sisters in England can't do this at the moment. Gather as you guys are gathered here today. And the archbishops of Canterbury and York have called the English church to prayer. And I'm quite happy to take that as a call from the British church. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. For however long we are in the restrictions we're in, we're going to need to take a way forward. And may each one of us hear God speaking to us in these days may we pray